With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the 1012. The uh, podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. I am your guest host for today, Andy Mitz. Philip Slavin is out at a wedding this weekend, so he asked me to take over uh, since I've done it once before. But we do have a full cast of people here to talk about the week that has been for the Big 12 Conference this week. Uh, joining us, as she usually does, Jamie Steyer, JSJ. Yes, hello. I'm here. My cat is here meowing into my microphone, so you're welcome if, uh, if it catches that. And uh, my cat's the one good thing to come out of this week. Yeah, yeah, it's been a rough week, but uh, <laughs> we'll we'll get to that. You know, I I originally was kind of hoping that this, you know, we actually did bring someone on to uh, to fill in for Philip because you know we do like to have three people. I was hoping that I would be able to you know have a good conversation about how happy he was with his team, but unfortunately things didn't quite work out for that. We have uh, joining us also from the ten twelve network over at the Raspy Voice Kids, Brandon Phoenix. Brandon, how are you doing today? I'm doing better than I was last night, and I'm happy to be here on the 1012 podcast. I listen to it all the time, so I'm glad to be a part of it. It's a good time. Yeah, yeah. It's it's one of those things when when Philip let me know that he was going to be leaving, uh, you know, for the wedding that he went to, I was like, you know, we get someone to fill in. We've been looking for an excuse to have you on the podcast here so we could get you here. And so, like, this is the perfect time to do it. Was hoping that the you know the, the the actual result would be a little bit better, so you'd be in a little bit better mood. But I think we're we're removed enough from the game last night. Um, you know, that we can go, that we can not necessarily have to worry about too much. This week, though, you know, it was obviously a big week. It was the first full week of Big 12 play. Everybody now in the Big 12 conference, except for TCU, fun TCU, has now played a game in conference play. Um, so, you know, it's it's time to kind of start talking about where we see these teams in the in the Big 12 conference. Um, kind of some some bests and then maybe some, some kind of disappointments that we've seen. I do want to start, though. Um, you know, obviously there were some really, really big games. We'll start with you, Jamie. What do you think the best win for a Big 12 team this week was? Well, um, I'm probably going to have to go with Oklahoma State because I think they played a solid game. I think they had, um, I think it put to rest, but not put to rest, but I think that it gave people a little bit more perspective on who they are as a team. I think there was a good amount of questions um, about them that maybe aren't fully resolved, but you go out there and you have a more than one score win over a team that's looking pretty good this season so far in K-State, and it's not like a them giving the game away, not that you would expect it. I, I think that they looked pretty pretty um you know pretty good out there there's not really another way to say it I think that they had a pretty solid win yeah that was a good one Brandon what about you what do you think with the biggest win for a big 12 team was this week well I mean as far as big wins go 70 points is pretty big and Texas put up a big number on Texas Tech was not very good even with that being the case I still think Oklahoma State they stood out as the better win overall 
Uh, they played a better team. Gundy out there doing his thing. There's only two active coaches who have more wins against top 25 teams in the history uh, or in current college football coaching. Uh, so I have to go with JSJ, Oklahoma State. They look good this weekend. Yeah, I thought they did look good. I went back and, and rewatched it because I didn't watch it live. I was watching the, you know, the Oklahoma and West Virginia one on, on primetime, just kind of where I was at. Um, you know, and so I didn't get an opportunity to watch that one live. I had to go back and rewatch it. I was kind of skipping through. The thing that, that I question with that, though, is, yes, it was a very, very good win for Oklahoma State. But I do wonder how much with, with Kansas State having Will Howard go out with an apparent injury in the first half, you know, trying to throw Jaron Lewis in there. And he, he played fairly well, but it was, it was pretty obvious that Kansas State couldn't do what they normally would like to do on offense. I've been questioning their offense. I, I don't really know what that offense is. And I don't think that this really let us know at all. Like, is this a, re, a fairly good Kansas State offense that now has more weapons that should be doing better? And Oklahoma State did a really good job shutting them down for most of the game. Or is this a team that is an absolute train wreck on offense, especially because of injuries and Oklahoma state. Yeah. They played fairly well defensively, but like, I, I don't know. There's still a bunch of open questions for me about Oklahoma state in general, because I, I can be honest. I don't really know what that Kansas state team is at this point. You know, I do worry about injuries for Kansas state. I do worry now what they're going to be able to do. And, you know, they gave up a lot of points pretty early in that game. So it makes you wonder what's going on with Kansas state's defense or, you know, or if it's just kind of being shell shocked in that particular game. But um, I do think that Kansas state has some questions to answer before we know just how good this Oklahoma state win is um, for me personally. I hate to do it to you, Jamie, but I think that Baylor win against Iowa state was probably the best. There's a lot of weirdness going on with that, with that Baylor game. Um, you know, Iowa State was able to pretty much shut down the Baylor offense in the second half there, but the fact that they were able to hold on for that big win and you know and get that big win, go to two and zero, you know, be the first team in the Big Twelve Conference right now. They are all alone in first place at this point. Um, that was an absolute huge win for them, one that they had to have if people were going to start taking them seriously. Because you know, look at what they did against Kansas last week. But I think a lot of people, myself included, you know, don't think that Kansas is going to be a really big world beater in the in the Big 12 at all. So you had no idea what to take from that particular win for Baylor. I think, yes, you can talk about the warts that Iowa State has and with the problems that they have going forward and kind of what, what that means and where we think they should be. But that was a really big win for Baylor. That was something that they had to have to be taken seriously. And, and I think a lot of people, myself included, were really low on Baylor this year coming into the year. And now I'm, I'm having to reevaluate what my thoughts are on Baylor that, you know, I think they might be a much better team than we gave them credit for going into the season. I'm having to reevaluate a lot of things, not just my thoughts on Baylor, but you know, I, <laughs> <laughs> Fair. I, just, I, I couldn't, uh, I just couldn't bring myself to get back to that place, but no, I mean, no, they, they capitalized off of every opportunity, you know, anything that they were given any opportunity they had. And when it came down to crunch time, when they had to get stuff done, like, I mean, you'll have plenty of people who are saying that Iowa State will, you know, never win another game. You know, you've got the drama people. You've got people on the other end of things that are like, hey, you know, not a big deal. But I think in the middle somewhere is the truth that, like, Baylor played a good game and they deserve to win. Yeah. You got to give credit to Dave Aranda. He did an excellent job. Uh, Matt Campbell did not shine, especially not late in that game, some of the decisions that he made. Uh, but you got to give credit where credit is due. Baylor showed up, and they didn't show out, but they won the game. Yeah, it's it's definitely one of those things. Cause, you know, talking with a bunch of Iowa State fans, like it seems like they're, you know, the the expectations are that the defense is, is still doing fairly well. It's playing fairly solid. And, and honestly, if you look at the way that that game went, 
There were some really big special team snafus, um, and the offense looked super lethargic at times. So I'm wondering what's going on. Like, that's what they have to fix. I don't know if the defense is necessarily any problems, but the fact that Baylor was able to put up the points that they did against that Iowa State defense, and their defense was able to play as well as it did against an Iowa State offense that has been struggling, but, you know, they didn't really allow them an opportunity to actually get any better, to, you know, to get anything right at this point. And so, or, or to build off the momentum from last week against UNLV. So, um, you know, it's it's one of those things where I'm not really sure what to think of this Iowa State team, and I'm sure that Jamie has some some thoughts about what, you know, what we're going to say moving forward. But, you know, I, I think the reason that I put the Baylor one up there is because I think it, it did the most to change perceptions about that particular team uh, it, in a positive way, I, sh- I should say. Um, which is why I rank it as the biggest one. I do agree, though, that that Texas win that, that you were talking about, Brandon, that is an absolutely huge win. That answers a lot of questions. Um, I think it answers a lot of questions about Texas Tech as well, you know, uh, but it, it definitely tells us that this Texas team is not necessarily going to be the same team that we've seen so many times that is going to play down to its level of competition. They really early found an opportunity to pounce on Texas Tech and, you know, punish them for mistakes they were making, and they did it and never looked back. That's the one thing that Texas, yeah. I think, has been missing in the last five or six years. Go ahead, Brandon. No, that's what I thought, too, man. When you get a team down, you put your foot on their neck and you leave it there. And so often you see teams go into coast mode and they don't do that. Sarkeesian and that Texas Longhorn team did exactly what you're supposed to do in that situation. They never let off the gas. And I loved it. I, not because I have anything against Texas Tech. I just love seeing teams do what they're supposed to do. Uh, so I, I have a lot of respect for Texas coming out of that game. Yeah, the other thing to keep in mind there is, like, I think myself included, a lot of people were looking down on Texas because of the way they lost to Arkansas and got blown out by Arkansas. Yeah. But look at what Arkansas has done since then. Like, they actually look like a legitimately good team that a lot of people didn't take seriously coming into the year. And so while I think the way that they lost to Arkansas isn't, like, wonderful, it doesn't make you feel good, but I think looking back from this point and, you know, hindsight being twenty twenty. It's understandable playing on the road at home against a juiced up Arkansas team that's actually a lot better than people give them, you know, thought they were going to be going into that game. It was somewhat of a rivalry game that was getting renewed, and Arkansas was extremely juiced up for that one. Um, so I'm not necessarily that surprised now, knowing now what you know what we know about this team and what they've been able to do at this point. Um, so you know, you can you can kind of forgive it a little bit and and kind of wait it a little bit less to give you an opportunity to succeed how good this Texas team is. So. All right, any any other uh, wins or any other of the game, well, specifically wins, because we will talk about some of the teams that kind of had some issues um, here in just a little bit, because unfortunately a lot of them really came up. There's one one Big 12 team that one that we haven't talked about yet, and, and I know, Brandon, we got to do this. I'm sorry. Uh, Oklahoma winning 16-13 in that primetime game that was on ABC. It was a great game back and forth, a really big defensive battle. Um I'm going to go to you, Brandon, first, because I want your thoughts coming from from the West Virginia side. But, you know, what what are your thoughts about this game? Was this one where Oklahoma was able to kind of tough it out and, and we learned something about Oklahoma? Or did, did you learn more about West Virginia from this game? You know, honestly, I don't know what I learned about West Virginia that I didn't already know. They've had trouble scoring points in the second half against Power 5 teams since Neil Brown has got – since he's been here. They were averaging 9.1 points in the second half against Power 5 teams since Neil Brown's era began. That's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. I don't care who you're playing. Um, and that was exactly what happened again. They scored three points on the first drive in the second half, and they didn't score again. That's a credit to Oklahoma's defense, but I think it says more about West Virginia's offense that that's the bigger problem. Um, I think it says a lot to Spencer Rattler's demeanor never changed, even with the chance for Caleb Williams. 
I respected that. I talked about it a lot. My brother actually came up and watched the game with me. And I kept saying that I love Spencer Rattler's demeanor. I loved his composure. Uh, and he, he did what he had to do when it mattered to win that game, to put his team in a position to win that game, kick the field goal to win. Um, Josh Chandler Smito, a linebacker for WVU, basically went Dennis Green after the game and said they are who we thought they were. They, what they saw on film, what they got out of Oklahoma was what they expected to get out of Oklahoma. He was surprised they actually scored 16 points, seeing as they only scored 23 against Nebraska, uh, and our defense is better than Nebraska's, and we just were not able to punish them for being who they are, which is not the best Oklahoma team we've seen probably the last five to six years, maybe longer. Um, I feel like West Virginia let them off the hook, but like I said last night in one of those, what are, what are you, the Twitter spaces? I was in a Twitter space with some Oklahoma fans, the Prairie Home Report, and I said, it's that OU DNA. We've lost to them in every way imaginable these last, this last decade. 59-56, 16-13, it doesn't matter, what, doesn't matter how many points you score if you didn't score more, and we didn't score more. So that's the way it went. And I just have a lot of respect for Spencer Rattler and Lincoln Ryland and, and those guys over there in uh, Norman. Yeah, so I want to get both your thoughts, though, about – you know, about this, this Oklahoma team, because for the longest time, they've been the class of the big 12, you know, they've been the team to beat this year more than any, I think, you know, we're seeing some legitimate holes at this point. And like, it's not like last year where it was a weird COVID year. They had a super, you know, weird loss early to Kansas state and got better and better as the years going on. Are you guys seeing improvement from this Oklahoma team or, or do you think that there's some significant issues that this team has that could potentially keep them, you know, either from winning the conference outright or, or maybe even not making the championship game, depending on, on how well some of these other teams jump up. I, I'll say that I don't – they did not run the ball well against us, and I thought they would. I thought their goal would be to run it down our throats. Their, their highest uh, yard per carry last night was 3.8 for one of their running backs. That's pretty good. That's, that's not what we've seen against West Virginia for the most part when these Oklahoma games have occurred. I will give credit to our defensive line because I feel like our defensive line is actually legitimately good um, – it's less, um, I think it's more, I think, so I think that the, it's what I'm saying is it's hard to diagnose Oklahoma because they did not show any improvement. They didn't, they did not improve to me. I thought they were holding back for conference play. I thought they were like keeping the playbook hidden. I thought they were maybe not as gritty or focused as they had to be because those games didn't really matter out of conference. They knew they were going to win and they've not been very good against the spread when it's 20 points or more. So that Nebraska game made sense. But you get in against West Virginia, a good West Virginia team, a solid West Virginia team, a really good defensive line, and nothing changed. They couldn't run the ball. Spencer Rattler's footwork still wasn't good. He still sailed balls. Um, and they just took what they what they were given, everything underneath. They really didn't do anything um, impressive. And I don't know that they will. But the question I have is who's going to beat them? Because for everybody saying how good the rest of the teams in the conference are, they aren't when they play Oklahoma, unless you're Kansas State. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think the the other thing to keep in mind there is that, yeah, Oklahoma has shown a lot more warts than we're used to seeing, but so have a lot of other teams. Like, the only team that I can say that I'm unequivocally impressed with so far would be Baylor. They've played a whole lot better than I thought they would all over the board. I just don't know, based off of where they started from the year, if they have enough, unless they can really force that Oklahoma offense to be as bad as they were in the, you know, the last couple games that they played and their offense in Bohannon can, can really do what he's done much better than we really thought he could, but they can't have those lapses like they had in the second half, you know, where they just didn't do anything and everything came from special teams because Oklahoma special teams is, does not have as many problems as that Iowa state special teams has had. And so 
you know, and, and this has been like a recurring issue for Iowa State with their special teams. And so like o- Oklahoma doesn't have those issues. You cannot count on getting that many points from special teams to give you an opportunity to beat Oklahoma. So I don't, I don't know if they're able to do it. Texas, you know, we saw some issues what they do with, you know, in terms of the really good teams they play in, in uh, Arkansas. So like, I don't know how much of that's going to carry over when they play a team like Oklahoma or, you know, or how much of that is actually um, just that specific opponent that they play. So Texas has probably been the most impressive recently. Yeah. And the way that they boat race Texas Tech, like makes me think that their offense can keep up with what Oklahoma's going to try to do. But you're right. Like I, I don't, there's not a team in the big 12 that I immediately say, oh yeah, for sure. They have a better than 50, 50 shot of beating Oklahoma. Um, and so you're right. Like Oklahoma is still the team to beat. But they've definitely shown a whole lot more warts. They've made it a lot easier, I think, for people to envision a scenario where Oklahoma either doesn't go to the Big 12 championship game, which I still don't think is going to happen, unfortunately, um, or that they don't win that game once they get there. Jamie, your, your thoughts on Oklahoma and, and, and what we actually saw from this game? Well, I think that, I mean, what I'm hearing from a lot of people and what I don't fully disagree with is I think that that's part of, not to make it all about me and my team, but I think that's part of what makes Iowa State start even harder to stomach, where you look at it and you're like, for once, maybe Oklahoma looks a little less superhuman. Like, are they still at the top? Absolutely. Like you said, are they still probably the team to beat? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no one is coming to dethrone them at this second, but for the expectations that people had for Iowa State preseason to now just seeing that, I mean, they just unfortunately weren't fully accurate. There's plenty of other things that we need to flesh out before they're even able to become close to the astronomical highs people were projecting. It's like, yeah, you know, this, this would have been a pretty good chance, but we're not there. And is anyone else in the league? Maybe, but more likely not, which is unfortunate. Yeah, it really is. But, you know, this week, at the very least, we can say that this week gave us a lot of really good information about the teams in the Big 12, um, which is something you can use with the sponsor we have here on the 1012 podcast. That is Symbol. Symbol is the stock market for sports that allows you to trade sports teams like stocks and earn cash payouts when your teams win. Symbol has blended sports in the stock market to offer you a new way to invest in and profit off your favorite teams or, you know, a bunch of teams that you happen to follow that all happen to be in the same conference like the Big 12. Um, You can use your sports knowledge to buy low, sell high and earn cash payouts when your teams win. Man, I'm I'm telling you, if I had Baylor earlier than now, uh, they would have gone way up. In fact, I I looked, I, I believe that they've they're one of the biggest gainers after this win that they just had. Unfortunately, I didn't jump on it, but hey, that doesn't mean you can't jump on them before they get higher. They are um, offering a very special giveaway to the 1012 Network, they they being symbol, to the 1012 Network. And here on the 1012 Podcast, they're going to be holding a drawing to give away two tickets to a Big 12 game of your choice. All you have to do is go sign up for symbol, make a $25 deposit using promo code NETWORK12, and you'll be entered into a chance to win two tickets to your favorite team's game this season. Uh, you just go to symbol.com. That's S-I-M-B-U-L-L.com. Create a free account when you deposit. Make sure you use that promo code NETWORK12 so you help us out here on the 1012 podcast. Um, but yeah, make sure, uh, that, and, and, and you can start investing in your favorite teams today. Look, I'm, 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 I'm going to tell you guys, that was hard. I'm so used to using the one for the Rock Talk podcast that I had to like, you know, help myself, like stop myself from actually saying the wrong one. But Philip, we got gotcha. you. All right. So we learned a lot about a a lot of teams this week, but we also, I think, learned a lot about some of the individual players. The one thing that I, or actually, you know what, before we go there, because I I do want to talk specifically about the QBs, because there's a lot of them, but 
you know, we, we talked a little bit about Oklahoma, but do you still think that Oklahoma is the best team in the Big 12? Or have you seen enough from any of these other teams to think that, you know, unless there's a drastic change in the way that these teams are playing, that, that one of these other teams actually has a shot to dethrone Oklahoma this, this year? If it's Oklahoma versus the field, give me Oklahoma. It's the Jimmys and the Joes over X's and O's every day of the week. And they've got the horses. I just, I don't care what they've done. They've won. So for me, it's Oklahoma than everybody else. Yeah, I just haven't seen anything from any particular team to say that they're def- they've definitely taken that jump. Um, I know that there are people who would make an argument for Texas, but as we talked about earlier, there's just not the evidence there for it yet. They're, they have the opportunity to provide that evidence, you know, going forward, playing some better teams in the league. Um, but at this particular moment, no, I'm not ready to say that there's that much of a divide and there's been that much of a shift between those two. I think that OU is still at the top. Okay. Well, well, you guys are both boring, even though I agree with you. So we're going to, we're going to change the question up a little bit here then. Um, because you know, I, I do wonder if we then assume that, you know, because we're all on board with Oklahoma still being the best until someone actually dethrones them, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot like Kansas basketball for a really long time until somebody actually won the conference, you were always going to pick them to win the conference. Um, but you know, so it, it, I am curious though, about in terms of the other teams, then who, who would you say is the best of the other teams? And I, I'm going to jump in immediately here with Texas, because what we've always said, Texas is probably the closest to Oklahoma in terms of talent. You know, they always bring in a whole bunch of talent. The biggest problem has always been coaching. You know, Tom Herman did not do very well in taking that talent and turning it into a really good product on the field. Charlie Strong had his issues. Like, they've had a lot of problems ever since they got rid of Mac Brown in finding a guy that can take the talent that they're able to recruit and turning it into a coherent and really good product on the field. Sark has so far shown me that he has that ability to do it, depending on how long, you know, whether he's going to be able to sustain it over the course of an entire season and be able to do it consistently moving forward at this point. You know, at some point, they're not going to be the Big 12, the rest of the Big 12's problem. But if we're talking about this particular year, you know, unless something drastically changes, I, I don't know that I'm not convinced that Sark is, is going to be the best in terms of giving Oklahoma a run for their money this year. Do you guys have another team that you would point to, or is it Texas? It's Texas for me. And it's, again, about the horses. They've got the bodies. They've got the players. It's just a question if they have the mentality. And right now, like you said, Sark's got them believing that they are those dudes. I would go with Sark and Texas as my second team, but I don't see them beating Oklahoma because I don't think they, I just, I don't see anybody beating Lincoln Riley and Spencer Rattler when it matters. So I'm still, I'm still on the Texas and Oklahoma leading the conference, which I hate because I hate Texas. I hate them so much. And I'm so sick of losing to Oklahoma. I'm so sick of seeing people lose to Oklahoma. I wish I wasn't boring, but this is what it is. Like this is where I am. Yeah. I mean, it's just hard to make another argument at this point. I mean, while we may not have seen enough to say Texas is at, to- is at the top of the conference, I mean, we've seen plenty to say that they're right up there. So it's really hard to say that there's anyone else really up there. I mean, I'd say that given this past week's performance, you could absolutely throw West Virginia up there as well. But again, that's why we have the rest of the season to see how that plays out because we just need more information. But I think that there's definitely an argument to be made there as well. I'd like to speak to that West Virginia point real quick. I just have some thoughts about it. There, there are people who are talking about this being a pivotal moment for the climb. And if you don't know, Neil Brown's slogan in Morgantown is trust the climb. There's an ascension taking place. That's the mindset. The recruiting class for 2022 
best one we've had in probably a decade, maybe longer. And the product on the field, you can see the improvement on defense. We lost players at all three levels through transfers and graduation, and yet the defense is as good as it was last year, if not better. Um, it's pivotal to me what happens this week against Texas Tech. And I know we're going to talk about the games we're looking forward to the most, but it's, it's really important to see if this team has the fortitude to get past a heartbreak like they experienced on Saturday night. If they can, they go out and beat Texas Tech the way that they should, the way that I'm sure they'll be favored to, um, then I'll be a believer that they can be in competition for a conference championship game. The players believe that. The players talk like that. The coaches talk like that. Um, but as pundits and as fans, this game in, is going to be really important in Morgantown Saturday at 3.30. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, it was it was good you got that in there because one of the rules we have for the ones you're looking forward to is that you can't pick your own team. So you got you got it now. So, so we'll get a different one there. But, you yeah, know, I, I mean, I, I agree. There is a lot going on for a lot of these teams. And we are very, very quickly approaching pivotal moments, you know, for a lot of these teams, either this week or the next game that they have after that. Um to determine if this season can be seen as as a success for many of those Big 12 teams. So, you know, that's definitely a super important one for West Virginia coming up. Um, and we definitely have some coming up for a lot of the other teams. We'll actually talk about that here in just a minute. But so so we are are all in agreement about who the best teams are in the Big 12. I, I'm wondering if we're going to have a little bit more debate about this next one, though, because we've seen a lot of really varying quarterback play in the Big 12. And I think coming into the year, everyone just assumed that Spencer Rattler was the best quarterback in the Big 12. And we had absolutely no idea who it was going to be after that because there were so many different teams that were changing quarterbacks or you had questions about them. Brock Purdy, I think, got kind of shoehorned in as the kind of the default number two. But there were some people that were talking about guys like Max Duggan or maybe Skylar Thompson. After the first four weeks of college football, who would you say is the like your you know top two quarterbacks in terms of play in the Big 12? whether it's actually Big 12 games themselves or just quarterbacks that play in the Big 12, who do you think the, the best two actually are? I am really bad at these questions. Like, I I can't watch every game. And even when I do, like, I, I still struggle so bad at, like, parsing these kind of questions where it gets so specific. But... Man, I don't know. I'm going to tell you one thing. My top two sadly does not include Brock Purdy. Is it fully his fault? Or is he put in some poor positions? Yeah. Could he still probably be better? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've still got Spencer Rattler up there, no matter what you think uh, as a as an OU fan, you know, no matter whether you're trying to trying to boo him on the field, you know, whatever you're seeing, I think that his ceiling is is extremely high. Um, beyond that, man, there's I feel like there's so many arguments that could be made for any number of people. Frankly, you know, you want to go by statistics, you want to go by results. I don't know. I can't, I can't even get to a get to a part two. You want to look at, you know, some of the numbers people are putting up. You want to look at these kind of crazy score fests like Texas versus Tech, and you've got people throwing for five touchdowns. You got people throwing for three hundred yards and making it look easy. Man, I just that's a lot. Fair, Jamie. All right, Brandon, who you got? I'm going Casey Thompson and Spencer Rattler. Rattler's not putting up huge numbers, but if I'm looking for a signal caller, that's the guy I'm going with. Like I said, 
He's got the live arm. We know he's got the physical talent, but I also just like his composure. Nothing rattles the guy. He stays in the game. He's ready to play no matter if he throws a pick, he gets sacked, or he throws a touchdown. It doesn't matter. He just does his thing, and I love that about him. Um, so if I'm going quarterbacks, again, it's Oklahoma, Texas, one-two there. Yeah, I mean, I will be a little bit different here because while Rattler has been good, I don't know that he's necessarily wowed me. And, and I don't know if part of this is expectations and we were expecting him to be really good. And so the fact that he had, he has a fairly good line, you know, it is kind of, eh, that's what we expected. Um, you know, Casey Thompson is one that jumps out to me, especially not getting the starting job coming out of camp. Makes you really wonder what was going on there and why, like based off of what he's done in, in the few games that he's actually been able to play, you know, he has basically, or he has less than half of the passing attempts. Um, that, that a guy like Spencer Rattler does, but more than half the yards that he does. Uh, in terms of touchdowns, you know, they have the same number of touchdowns. Thompson has, you know, one one less interception. So, like, rate-wise, yeah, he's, he's got more interceptions rate-wise. But I think Casey Thompson has probably been more impressive in terms of just statistics than Rattler. Yes, Rattler, I think, has to do more in the Oklahoma offense, has more, you know, kind of weight on his shoulders. Thompson's only been doing it for a couple weeks. So there's definitely a question of whether he'll be able to continue it. But if I'm looking at what he's done so far, I think that Casey Thompson in the limited time he's been able to play has been more impressive than Rattler. And Gary Bohannon with Baylor, I'm looking at his stats. I'm looking at what he's done and the way that he's been able to run that offense. Yes, they've struggled at times. They've kind of, you know, lapsed at times. But I, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that, you know, Baylor brought in the offensive coordinator from BYU and he's still kind of establishing what it is he wants to do. He's taken all the pieces that they had from last year from, you know, the absolute train wreck of an offense they had last year. It's actually turned them into something really good. And Bohannon has been the main reason why that team goes. So those have been two guys that I think if you're looking for someone to put over Rattler, just in terms of where they, you know, how they've played so far, I think there's a really strong argument to make for both of those. After that, there's a whole bunch of guys, you know, a bunch of guys that I wasn't really expecting. Like, Daigie has, has played a little bit better than I think most people expected coming into the year. He hasn't been absolutely phenomenal by any means, but, like, I, I, there's a lot of people that had absolutely no idea what Daigie was going to do and thought he was going to be absolutely atrocious. So he's been at least passable. He's definitely had some issues, but, like, you can put him on par with guys like, you know, Max Duggins has had some issues. He was expected to be a whole lot better. Like, you know, if, if I'm going between Duggan and Daigie right now, I honestly don't know which one I pick. And I don't know how much of that has to do with the system, uh, you know, or how much that has to do with some other things that have, that, have, that have been outside their control. But they haven't really distinguished each other, you know, in terms of an outside observer from both of those programs. And so, you know, but like even a guy like, like Jason Bean from Kansas has been super impressive. Kansas State, you could say that one of their quarterbacks has been impressive, but they haven't been able to keep one on the field for more than a game and a half. So it's really hard to evaluate any of those guys. Um, you know, I, I, Chuck over at Texas Tech, you know, he was supposed to be really good. He has not been as good as you thought he would. It sounds like he got injured in that game, but he wasn't playing very well before he got injured against Texas. So, like, you know, a guy that was supposed to jump up and potentially dethrone Spencer Rattler as one of the better quarterbacks in the Big 12, you know, as, as a possibility, he hasn't been nearly as good, I think, as a lot of people expected him to be. And so there's a big jumbled mess after, like, those top three. But I think we can all agree – and definitely let me know if I'm wrong, but I think we can all agree that right now, if you're ranking the QBs, your top three are in some order, Spencer Rattler, Gary Bohannon, and Casey Thompson, and that there's a big jumbled mess right after them. So that's not about yeah. fair for everyone? Yeah. There's a lot of mediocrity at the quarterback position. There's not a lot of excitement. There's certainly not a lot of, I'm going to put this team on my shoulders and win games when it comes to the quarterback position in the Big 12 this year, which is surprising because typically we're quarterback heavy. 
typically were known for being able to to move the ball and put up points. And I just don't see it this year with with a lot of the quarterback situations in the Big 12. As far as Jared Dagan, um, he has not been terrible statistically, but it's not what you do, it's when you do it a lot of times. And he's not been the guy he needs to be when West Virginia needs him to be that guy. Max Duggan, the thing about him is he can at least leave the pocket if he needs to. Daggy struggles to do that. You know what I mean? Like, so, um, it, to me, he's been about what I expected, maybe a little bit worse. Yeah, I, I do remember when I was hyping up West Virginia, thinking that they could surprise a lot of people before the season started. You know, Phillip's first thought was, yeah, but Deggy? Like, <laughs> the thought was he was going to be really bad and really pulling the team back. And while, while they've definitely had some issues and they've been able to overcome some of the, you know, situational issues that Deggy has, has created or not reacted well to, I think for the most part, he hasn't been as bad as a lot of people thought he was going to be, which is definitely an improvement. You know, it, it's weird because you're right that there's been a lot of mediocre quarterback play. But looking at these different teams, like the expectations are weighing a lot about how people think. Because I'm going to be honest, Jason Bean for Kansas fans, yeah, he's been mediocre in terms of objectively for a quarterback play. But he's been a lot better than I think a lot of people expected. And really what's dragging him down is everything else around him. You know, the offensive line has still been having issues. They've gone, gone super run heavy, so everyone kind of knows exactly what Bean's going to try to do. He's going to try to, you know, bootleg out and run it on his own and all that. So there's been a lot of scheme issues that have kind of held him back. But his mediocre gives fans hope because it looks like he can actually do a lot of things you expect the Big 12 quarterback to be able to do once the rest of the pieces are at least passable around him. Whereas, you know, a mediocre that like Max Duggan has played, a lot of people are expecting him to take the offense for TCU up this year and take it to that next level. He's been about mediocre about what we normally see from Max Duggan. And, you know, I'm hearing a lot of TCU fans that are disappointed about the way that he's been playing, even though I think he's probably, you know, in that fourth or fifth spot in terms of QBs in, in the Big 12 at this point. College football season is here and no tailgate is complete without a grill. And no grill is complete without Gridiron Metalworks. Go to Gridiron Metalworks, find collegiate branded grill grates and griddles with actual school logos, as well as other awesome metal goods like flower pots, stainless steel bookends, coasters, and can coolers, among other things, all in actual school colors, not just the, yeah, it's, it's pretty close like you'll find at other places. Grilling at the game this Saturday? Sear your steak, burgers, brats, or veggies with the perfect Pistol Pete, Baylor Bear, or Kansas Jayhawk grill marks. They've got grill grates and griddles for all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. Plus, these are the perfect gift for the hard to shop for. We can almost guarantee you'll find something from Gridiron that someone on your holiday shopping list does not have. These are high quality, custom cut, and made in the USA. And as someone who enjoys turning on the grill during the fall, during football season, during basketball season, and as someone who is a diehard Oklahoma State fan, yeah, an Oklahoma State griddle from my grill, fantastic. Right now, when you use the promo code 1012, that's T-E-N, the number 12, T-E-N-1-2, you'll get 15% off your first purchase. And all orders over $100 get free shipping. So whether you're looking for a Kansas State grill grate, a West Virginia griddle, or a unique metal home good for your college football, college sports collection, visit gridironmetal.com. Use the promo code 1012 for 15% off your first order. You can also find the link in our show notes. Gridiron Metalworks for the college super fam. This is Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I also hate pit, joined by my brother, Jeremy J. N. Fiend Phoenix. We are the Raspy Voice Kids. We do the Raspy Voice Kids podcast 
If you love West Virginia University, you will love our podcast. If you don't care about West Virginia University, you will love our pop culture segment. It begins every single episode. You can join in the fun anytime, anyplace. Get at your boys. All right. Any other thoughts about any, any of the QBs or, or the play that they've had before we move on? <clears throat> I'll say uh, I, I agree with you about Bean, and I agree with you about Kansas. You made, I, I, you made points about Kansas being um, – Less of a meme, less of a joke than what than what people would anticipate, and it's come true. Like they they really have. Like they played good football against Duke for the most part. Um, I mean, could have been better, of course, but yeah, that they, defense is atrocious. That's a lot worse than I thought it was going to be. But you know, yeah. uh, growing pains. It's going to happen. But yeah, yeah. But when it, the thing with Jared Daigie, I think that you'll hear from West Virginia fans. We were told he was the most improved player on the football team. So, like, while maybe outside people didn't expect him to be good, we were told he was the most improved player on the football team, man, on an 85-man roster. That's that's crazy to see what he's done. He's losing time to Garrett Green, a redshirt freshman who didn't get much play because of the COVID year and didn't make the progress the coaches expected him to make. Um, and people are calling for him, including myself, to play a lot more in this two-quarterback system. And you know if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. So – that's where we are when it comes to Jared Deggie. Um, I, and yeah, I mean, Bohannon, when you were talking about Bohannon earlier, the thing that gets me with him is that they didn't do anything pretty much after that in, in the second half against Iowa state. I mean, he couldn't get anything going really. Um, I don't know what to make of the quarterbacks. I can't figure out if his defenses are better or if the quarterbacks just aren't as good, but I yeah, we'll I think it's I think it's a combination of both because it, I, I think it's really easy to say that the defenses are objectively better in the Big 12 this year than they normally are. Um, the question really is how much of that is because they're getting more opportunities to really show off because the offensive play isn't as crisp as it usually is, or how much of it is just that they have taken that huge leap forward, you know, and, and are kind of moving forward from there and, you know, raising the expectations for what a defense should be in the Big 12. And of course... The rest of the you know college football world is now moving to offense, offense, offense because the SEC is scoring you know 50, 50 points a game um, per per team at this point. So unfortunately, that's kind of just the way it goes. The Big Twelve is off cycle from what everyone else is doing scheme wise and offense, defense wise. So um, unfortunate, but all right. So kind of to to play off of your point there, Brandon, about some of these quarterbacks kind of being more mediocre o- overall as a team, based off of you know so far season to date. Which team do you think has been the most disappointing or, you know, which, which like loss for a big 12 team this last week was the most disappointing for you for this week? I, I don't see how it could be anybody, but Iowa state when the Cyclones people had them going to the playoffs, myself included um, guaranteed championship game with Oklahoma, whether they were in first or second place and Iowa state loses again, they always lose to Iowa. they, are always little brother when it comes to that Cyhawk trophy game. Um, but when it comes to in conference, you expect the fighting Matt Campbell's to come out and do their thing. And they just didn't. And I don't understand it. I don't understand Brock Purdy. Uh, I just, I, I don't see how it could be anybody, but Iowa state. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's pretty, it's, it's not even close. Like it's, you have these expectations and I mean, people always say, you know, well, you got to live up to them, you know, oh, what are you going to do about it? And you, you, you don't like, you don't act on it. You don't prove, you don't prove it. And it's unfortunate that the things 
that are occurring are not new issues. You've got special teams issues, which have been a plague. And yet you just don't, I don't know. I mean, my thing is that I am always a huge, huge, huge advocate for no one wants to win more than the coaches. No one wants to win more than the players. And so I don't try to question them as in, you know, oh, losing your job, whatever. But it is, yeah, my cat's very passionate about this too. Uh, It is hard to do that when you have such cut and dry things like Iowa State struggling on special teams and not having a special teams coach. Like that's just something that should have been remedied seasons ago. And I'm not there, you know, I'm, I'm not behind the scenes, but I think that things like that, just, they, they even look bad on like a recruiting perspective, like that you just, you can't figure these things out. And so it's just really disappointing when this is your chance to have your best season to capitalize off of having almost everyone on your entire team back from the best season in school history. And you start off and it's just a wet blanket. And from here, I mean, yeah, they can still have a pretty good season, but they're not going to have the season that people were dreaming of. Like, that's just not in the question now. Yeah, look, I, I understand that that Iowa State game, that loss was super disappointing. Um, but I, I do think that there's another contender for this. And I think it would have to be TCU against SMU. I mean, what we hear about TCU so often is just how stout their defense is, you know, how fantastic that defense is. But they gave up 42 points, but they also had three interceptions. So, like, they had three takeaways, um, you know, and then pretty much SMU scored on almost every other drive that they had like SMU punted the ball once. No, I'm sorry. Twice. Once in the, once in the first half, once in the second half at the end of the game, like, you know, and, and, and that one at the end of the game, that was them going, you know, down and running a whole bunch of time off the clock, getting super conservative, trying to run, you know, run the clock down. Cause they were up by two scores. And uh, I'm sorry, actually, I think at that point they were, uh, yeah, yeah. They were up by two scores. Cause it was, it was 42, 27 at that point. You know, so like they weren't necessarily trying to air it out and go score again and, you know, put it away that way. They just wanted to get out of there, um, you know, and then that final drive, they had a nine play 41 yard drive that bled the last four minutes of the clock there. Like so that that TCU defense that was supposed to be so good and was supposed to be the bedrock that, you know, they had that was going to allow the offense the time that they needed to develop what they needed to do. It, it was like almost non-existent against SMU. I like, yes, they got those three interceptions and you would have thought that would have been a spark for them that would have allowed them to really get going and really get that offense an opportunity to, to you know, push forward and, and win that game. And, you know, we got an absolute barn burner. We got 42 to 34 and the defenses were basically non-existent, just letting everyone go by. And, and so like, I don't really know what to think about TCU. This completely changes my thought about TCU, like what they're going to be this year, because what you normally know from Gary Patterson is that he's going to have a fantastic defense that is going to carry that team and is going to give them that opportunity to be able to stay in games and be competitive in the Big 12. And that's what we were hoping to build, you know, that that's what they were hoping to build off of last year going into this year. And I don't really know what's going on. Like I don't know what to think about this defense. How good is this defense anymore? Cuz I don't think a lot of people expected SMU to be a really good team, a really prolific offense this year. Like you know, going into this game, I think 
most people that were predicting this game were expecting it to be like, you know, a 21-18 or like a, you know, 21-20 win for one of these teams. Like, it was supposed to be a really close game, a really good defensive battle. And now I have absolutely no idea what to think about this TCU team. Like, are are they a really good defense? Did they just get exposed by this one team that happened to have their number in a rivalry game? Or is this something that we need to be more concerned about moving forward? I like Tanner Mordecai. I like Reggie Robertson. So I thought SMU could put points up. I still thought TCU would win. I don't really know what I think of TCU at all either. But to be fair, I don't know what I think about anybody outside of Oklahoma. Fair. I, because I'm, I'm, not, I'm not over Iowa State. I fully expect them to be back in the hunt once again, beating teams with their defense. Um, and Brock Purdy, I don't expect him to play as poorly, even though there's no evidence that he, he won't in conference. And the reason, the reason I, that I wouldn't say that TCU's loss has the same kind of weight that Iowa State's did is because, again, it was out of conference. Yes, it was a rivalry game. Yes, they were expected to win. But it doesn't really have any bearing on their season or their position, their, their, you know, in the standings anyways, as far as the Big 12 goes. Um, an honorable mention, I will say, is West Virginia because coming off a loss to Maryland, you, you lose to Maryland by six points, even though you had four turnovers. You win the Black Diamond Trophy against Virginia Tech, you have a chance to put back-to-back wins over top opponents and you squander it with bad snaps and penalties on the goal line. That's, that, was a, that was a heartbreaking loss for, for West Virginia. And I'm saying that not just as a fan, but from the outside looking in, a team that hasn't beaten, you know, beaten Oklahoma since they joined the conference and you squander your opportunity, to me that's an honorable bench and loss. Um, but overall, like I said, in conference, high expectations has got to be Iowa State. Yeah, that that's fair. You know, the one thing I did to, to jump back to TCU for just a second, because honestly, I saw this as they were coming out of half. There was a whole bunch of people making mention about how the fact that Gary Patterson changed his polo at, at, at halftime, went to the purple polo. And, and for, for those of you that don't know, you know, this goes back uh, to a bowl game that they had. Um, I'm trying to remember all the details. I actually had to ask about this because I wanted to make sure I actually had the details correct. Um, you know, this has to do with uh, back, it was the, the 2015 Alamo Bowl. You know, and they had the biggest comeback in bowl history against Oregon after he changed his polo at halftime. Um, but you know what? The reason I don't think it worked, and unfortunate because this is outside of the control of TCU at this point, even though it's coming, it's because it was not, it was not a shirt from sponsor here on the podcast, Home Field. Home Field Apparel. The most comfortable vintage college, college sports apparel. I'm going to tell you right now, if he had changed into a, a, a home field t-shirt, they probably would have gotten that home field magic and would have come all the way back. Unfortunately, <laughs> TCU does not have home field yet at this point, but it is coming. It has been confirmed. Um, not, not sure when it's going to happen, but it, it is going to happen at some point here. So, But, you know, this is, you know, home field, absolutely phenomenal. I, I have a bunch of shirts myself, even though Kansas doesn't have home field. Um, you know, but there's a bunch of different t- uh, Big 12 teams that do have home field shirts right now, including an absolute fans- fan- fantastic Iowa State one. I have an Iowa State marching side, again, even though I'm not an Iowa State fan, um, you know, but it's absolutely great what they have. You know, you can dive into the archive. You can find or they, they, they dive into the archives of all the schools that they have signed and find the best unique vintage logos to make absolutely fantastic, uh, you know, uh, apparel with. It's It's great. You can use promo code NETWORK12 for 15% off your first order. And let me tell you, as Philip can attest, as everyone here can attest that's ordered from Homefield, when you go onto their website, there's no way that you order, you know, just one or two things. Um, you're going to get a whole bunch, which means you're going to save a whole bunch of money. Any order that's $70 or more will get free shipping. 
um, you know, you, you're you're going to get that free shipping when you actually go and get a home field order because I can tell you right now, like I went and I immediately kept just adding more and more and more. I got my stuff stuff for me, stuff for my wife. Um, you know, I went originally just planning on getting like two or three shirts and it quickly turned into like six or seven all at once. So I can promise you, if you go to home field, you're not going to regret it. You're going to find something absolutely great. Find a vintage logo for a school, whether you root for them or not, that you're going to love. You're going to fall in love with it. You're going to wear it all the time, just like I do. But uh, again, go to homefield.com. Uh, use promo code NETWORK12 to get 15% off your first order and all orders over $70 get free shipping. Are you a Big 12 basketball obsessed fan and have nowhere to go for just all of your Big 12 basketball information? Look no further because Midwest Madness is here just for you. We talk men's and women's basketball all year long. With exclusive interviews, guests that come on to talk about each team, game recaps once the season begins, and so much more content you won't know what to deal with. So for all of your Big 12 basketball needs, Midwest Madness is your place to go. Listen on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. All right, we're going to wrap. Go ahead. I do wonder what coach is going to be the first to wear like a home field shirt for a game. Yeah, whether they wear it at the beginning of the game or do something like that, where like they're just like, I can't, I can't handle this anymore. I need to go change so that I can try to get that home yeah. field magic. It's a flex. The first person to do it, that'll that'll be a big one. You know, any other? Well, you know, or, or maybe not even a coach. You know, we 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 do have nil now. I'm wondering if there's any players that are gonna be like, hey, home field, throw throw well, me some money. I, you know. I know that they've said that they're like talking to players, like they're working on working with players. So yeah, I'm it's, sure that it's just a matter of who gets to be the first one. Ever of course. Possible. Well, it'll, we know what, oh, what of, of course it'll be. It'll, it, it'll be an Indiana one, of course. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. So let's go ahead and wrap it up uh, on the final thing that we have for tonight. Uh, you know, looking ahead to the week that's coming up, uh, it's going to be a full slate of big 12 games. I don't think anyone has a bye this week coming up, but uh, you know what? I forgot to look before we actually started recording. Um, but so five, yeah, five big 12 games, all of it in big 12 play. Uh, so we all know the rules. You can't pick your own team. Which one of the games coming up this weekend are you most looking forward to? I'm looking forward to Oklahoma state and Baylor <clears throat> two teams that, one games, important games to kick off the Big 12 uh, season in, in conference season for themselves. A Baylor's win, to me, being bigger, obviously, not just because of rankings, but because of expectations over Iowa State. Oklahoma State looking really good against Kansas State, minus Kansas State's quarterback being injured. Um, we'll, I think we'll get to see who's really what. They were in and Mike Gundy. Mike Gundy will get to see who's really who. Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely mine as well. I mean, you've got the most potential like to learn I think in that game you've got two teams who like you said Brandon coming off wins you get to see exactly what they're made of you know what kind of momentum they can build off that obviously uh they can't both win uh this one so you get to see all right you know what do you what do you got to work with um see them against a little bit different of a scheme but still in the league and you know, see what see what they come out with, and maybe maybe then we do have a different answer to who should be sitting atop the league. But um, I think that's where you can get a lot of really interesting information from is that Baylor Oklahoma State game. Yeah, I 
I I definitely agree that that's one that's potentially, especially if one of those teams can win big, is going to, you know, have the potential to tell us the most about one of these particular teams. Um, you know, because we are looking at horrible mismatches, at least on, on paper, Oklahoma against Kansas State, you know, a, a beat up Kansas State team. Well, Kansas State has beaten Oklahoma the last two years, like, you know, they have severe quarterback injury issues. There's a bunch of other questions for this Kansas State team. If they if they were to get the upset this time, I think that would be an absolute, you know, complete stunner and would tell us a whole bunch about how crazy the Big 12 is going to be, you know, just, just like the rest of college football has been so far. But, um, you know, on, on, on paper, that's a huge mismatch. The West Virginia-Texas Tech game, again, should be a huge mismatch. So, like, it's, it's hard to put that one up there because of what we just saw from Texas Tech. You have to think that Texas Tech is going to bounce back somewhat, but the way that West Virginia plays defense, I, I don't know how competitive that one's going to be, uh, or at least how much how, how how competitive it should be. You know, obviously Kansas versus Iowa State, you know, that's one that should be again on paper a gigantic mismatch. Um, so if if it's not, I think that's going to surprise a lot of people. The one that I'm looking forward to, I think though, I'm going to have to pick is this Texas TCU because again, Texas has another opportunity to take a huge step forward. You know, we all we all heard during all of the, you know, Texas uh, Senate or the the Texas legislature hearings about, you know, what TCU's record is against Texas, uh, you know. And <laughs> so, like, this is an opportunity for Texas to kind of get better at that particular record or TCU an opportunity to bounce back after a super disappointing loss against SMU. You know, I mean, is it what you said, Brandon, where like it's not in conference, so it doesn't necessarily matter as much in terms of how they look at their season and how successful they can be on their season? Or do they let that kind of hang over at this point? and cause them problems moving forward. Um, this is going to tell us a lot about Texas. It's going to tell us, I think, a lot about TCU and what we expect from them. If this is another one where it's, you know, a, a huge high-scoring game, even if both teams are scoring a whole bunch, that tells me a whole lot more about that TCU defense. If it's a really, really low-scoring defensive battle, I think that gets us all back on the right track of what we thought was going to happen with TCU. And then whoever wins that game, you know, we, we can look a little bit better at moving forward. But, you know... I think that is a is it's a super intriguing game to me. It's probably the one that I'm going to get the most information out of, uh, you know, unless either Baylor or Oklahoma State just blow the the doors off of one of the others. All right, guys. Well, I think that's going to do it for us tonight. Uh, Brandon, thanks for joining us here on the Ten Twelve. It was great to have you. Where where can everyone find you online? Well, you can find me at I also hate Pitt on everything. That's Twitter. That's Instagram. Everywhere that there is social media, I am I also hate Pitt. Because no matter what you know about me, you just need to know that I also hate Pitt. Uh, I also am part of the Raspy Voice Kids with my brother. So Raspy Voice Kids on Twitter, on Instagram, you can find us there. And our podcast is on all podcast platforms. So check us out. I, I was going to say it's awfully presumptuous of you to assume that I hate Pitt. But, you know, <laughs> I mean, in some ways I kind of do. So, you know, I, I, I fully understand. So, all right, Jamie, what about you? Well, as always, you can find me on every platform known to man at J Styes at J S T E Y Z, and I'll be there just just tweeting through it. Yeah, yeah, of course. It's let me tell you, it is rough sometimes. I know how that is. <laughs> so, and and of course, you can find me uh, over on my personal Twitter at Andy Mitz twelve, and I do the Rock Talk podcast that drops every week as well, twice a week. Uh, over at Rock Talk Pod on Twitter. Um, but that's going to do it for us. Thank you, guys. I can't give you any spoilers about what Philip has coming up on for the Thursday episode, but it is going to be picks, you know, of some sort. I don't know what games are picking or anything like that, but Philip will be back on Thursday with uh, Chris and Daniel to do all the picks that they do. Make sure you guys tune in. They're having a blast over there. I don't actually know who 
did better this week than the others, but I, I have to assume that Phillip came back down to earth this weekend with his picks because it's hard to follow up on a nine and one week that he had last week. So, all right, but make sure you guys go out, subscribe to the podcast, you know, uh, all the podcasts we have here on the 1012 network. Um, and uh, we will see you guys next time. Podcast Network.